0: Everyone and welcome back to calming facts. I'm pleased to say that my exams are finally over. They're the last exams I'll ever do which is a pretty amazing feeling. This means I'm back to making weekly episodes so be prepared for lots of cool subjects over the coming weeks. Now To get me back into the swing of things. I thought I'd conclude the dinosaur series. Don't worry if you love dinos, this won't be the end of dinosaurs as there's so many directions to go with them. I've got a few ideas for the future already. I've chosen a melancholy piece of music for this episode as the Cretaceous ends with the asteroid strike which dooms dinosaurs to extinction. However, prior to that, dinosaurs dominate the Cretaceous for millions of years, and some of the most strange and diverse dinosaur species appear. So, curl your feet up, make yourself nice and cozy, and I'll talk to you about the dinosaurs in the Cretaceous period. Cretaceous began hundred and forty-five million years ago and at 75 million years long is longer than both the Triassic and Jurassic periods. It represents more time than has elapsed since the asteroid strike which leads to the dinosaurs extinction. During this period the continents continue to move around a lot The Jurassic ended with the Earth's land assembled essentially into two continents, Laurasia in the north and Gondwana in the south. But both of these large continents had started to break up into smaller pieces by the end of the Jurassic. But by the end of the Cretaceous, the continents would, for the most part, look like they do today. The biggest differences being that India ends the Cretaceous still adrift in the Indian Ocean and Australia is still connected to Antarctica which was yet to freeze over. The sea level was higher during the Cretaceous than at any other time in Earth's history. In general, world oceans were about 200 meters higher in the Cretaceous than at present. This high sea level is thought to have existed for a number of reasons. Firstly, the climate of the Cretaceous period was much warmer than at present, perhaps the warmest on a worldwide basis than at any time in the last 500 million years. The temperature was also far more even between the equator and poles, with the equator experiencing subtropical conditions and the poles, all the way to their coldest points, simply experiencing temperate, foresty conditions. It's fascinating to think about how the dinosaurs in these polar forests would have survived the loss of sunlight through the winter months. Anyhow, there was very little ice to be found anywhere, and furthermore, lots of water in the ocean was displaced by mountains rising up underneath the seas. This all culminated in marine waters inundating the continents, creating the mini shallow seas and shrinking the continent's surface. Indeed, at the highest sea level, land covered only about 18% of Earth's surface compared with approximately 28% today. So, the picture we create is one of a very hot world with lots of shallow seas and less large expanses of land. These conditions were different to those in the Jurassic, leading to changes in which species were dominant? The stegosaurs were the unluckiest famous group of dinosaurs. They didn't evolve effectively and died out during the early Cretaceous. Ceropods, the long necked dinosaurs, experienced a complete species turnover. Famous species such as Brachiosaurus, Diplodocus, the went extinct, and Cerepods all but disappeared from the northern landmasses. But in the south, a new branch of Cerepods evolved called the Titanosaurs, which were characterized by being even more massive than before. Titanosaur species easily averaged over 70 tons and over 30 meters in length. From the middle to late Cretaceous, they would reinvade the northern landmasses and repopulate the northern continents with ceratopsids. Indeed, by the late Cretaceous, the Titanosaurs would be the only surviving group of ceratopsids, but they were thriving right up to when the asteroids struck. Titanosaurs include some of the largest animals ever to have existed, such as Patagotitan, Argentinosaurus and Saurus. Recently, paleontologists in Argentina have reported that a new species of titanosaur is being unearthed and that from initial appearances it might be the largest dinosaur species ever found. I'm looking forward to finding out just how big it is. The changing landscape proved an opportunity for many orthosychians, the bird-hip dinosaurs. Hadrosaurs expanded greatly in number and variety from the Jurassic, becoming one of the most dominant herbivore groups. Hadrosaurs were large animals with hind legs bigger than their forelegs so that they could run bipedally if need be. They likely had a large array of colour patterns and ornamental head displays, which may have doubled as a tool to increase the volume of their calls acting like a megaphone or as a temperature regulator. The most famous hadrosaur is Parasaurolophus, a large hadrosaur with a particularly large head crest. Ankylosauria, are Armoured dinosaurs, often depicted as tank-like with club tails. In the Jurassic, there was only one group of them. The nodosauridae, which didn't have club tails, were smaller and were not so covered in armour. During the Cretaceous, they benefited from the loss of the Stegosaurus expanding into their niches spreading to both the northern and southern continents. In the north, members of the Nodosauridae group would diversify into a second lineage, the Ankylosauridae, which spread across what would become Europe and North America. These had the heavily armoured bodies and tails that they are famous for, but these species would never spread to the southern continents. The Cretaceous also saw the emergence of a new and very famous group of herbivores, the Ceratopsia. Famous species include the Triceratops, Taurosaurus and Styracosaurus. These were characterized by large horns and frills on and around their head, which were likely used for both defense and courtship. The early Ceratopsia species appeared in the late Jurassic, but they would become progressively more dominant through the Cretaceous, and they were one of the dominant herbivore groups when the asteroid struck. Theropods continued to be the dominant predatory lineage in the Cretaceous, but the story of theropods' evolution is a complicated one. Because bipedal dinosaurs were the dominant predators for so long, species disappeared and reappeared often, and in many cases of convergent evolution, and determining a clear evolutionary picture for which species evolved from which is difficult. Having said this, it's generally recognised that at the end of the Jurassic there were four distinct groups of theropods. Ceratosaurs, Carnosaurs, Cellularosaurs, and Megalosaurids. Ceratosaurs are the most ancient group, which emerged in the late Triassic. They are generally seen as more primitive and generalistic, though the ceratosaurs, from which this group is named, was one of the largest theropods in the Jurassic period. They would never evolve to the giant sizes in the Cretaceous of other large theropods, but small populations of medium sized ceratosaurs survived in the southern continents right up to the asteroid impact. The next notable group is the carnosaurs. They were one of the most successful theropod groups of the Jurassic and Cretaceous, with the allosaurs. Type of carnosaur competing with the ceratosaurs as the largest predators during the Jurassic. Both the ceratosaurs and allosaurs went extinct during the Jurassic minor mass extinction, leaving a large evolutionary niche to fill. In the southern continents, a subgroup of carnosaurs, called carcarodontosaurs, evolved to fill this niche. Possibly due to the emergence of the titanosaurs, these carnosaurs evolved to be true giants. Many of them rivalled or exceeded the Tyrannosaurus rex in length and height, with some species growing to around 45 feet long, and they had absolutely huge triangular skulls, again bigger than T. rex. However, these beasts were lightly built for their size, with most less than half the weight of a T-Rex. Their jaws may have worked like giant meat shears, useful for slicing a hefty chunk out of the large herbivores, which is certainly a different method from the bone-crushing-bite-and-smash method of T-Rex. Some of these species include Giganotosaurus, Mapusaurus, and Tyranotitum. The Cretaceous southern continents were a land of enormous carnivores with huge skulls and slicing teeth. In the northern continents, the first large theropod to emerge was also a carcarodontosaur, called Crocanthosaurus. However, it specialised in hunting theropods and as they disappeared from the northern landmasses, it went extinct. A variety of other largest carnosaur species came and went in the time after, but the rising numbers of armored ankylosaurs and horned ceratopsia presented better armored prey than those in the southern continent, and the carnosaur's lighter build and weak jaws struggled against this new prey. In the meantime, another group, the tyrannosaurs, had evolved from the Cililurosaurs, and had begun to make the transition into filling the void. Cililurosaurs were of a completely different lineage of theropod to the other large theropods in the northern hemisphere at the time, having become genetically separate from the Carnosaurs in the early to mid-Jurassic. Cililurosaurs were a far more diverse lineage which would produce birds and many of the most bizarre dinosaurs to exist later on in the Cretaceous. It's possible that this variety in evolutionary history made it more likely that the Tyrannosaurus would make the adaptions needed to cope with the large prey, namely a more robust, strong body and powerful jaws designed to crunch rather than tear flesh. Whatever the case, once they arrived, Tyrannosaurus species quickly rose to dominate the predatorial landscape of the northern continents. However, it wouldn't be until 68 million years ago, only 3 million years before the asteroid, that Tyrannosaurus rex would emerge, likely partly due to the re-emergence of Titanosaurs in the northern hemisphere. These huge predators were the heaviest theropods known to have existed and were perfectly suited to take down the large armoured dinosaurs and huge theropods of the time. I've realised that I've run out of time. I mean I'm way over time, to be honest, and I've still got so much to talk about. I need to tell you all about the weird and wacky sauropods, including birds, the raptors such as Velociraptor, and some sauropods which re-evolved to be herbivores. I also never got to talk about the Megalosaurids, which include the Spinosaurus, and I haven't given the Asteroid Impact the attention it deserves either. So. I think I'm going to have to do another Cretaceous Dinosaur episode. So you're going to get a part two in a couple of weeks. So I hope you look forward to that. Thank you so much for listening. And I hope you come back to listen next week. The music is by George Sundancer. And it's called To The Unknown Soldier. For the full attribution and URL well to his website. Please see the comments below. I have used the music with his full permission. Thanks again, and I hope you're feeling nice and rested, bye bye.